independent, expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. Welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Nikki Lang. Singer and songwriter Nikki Lang is indeed young, but her comfortable and confident style shows more promise than many artists twice her age. Since penning her first song by the age of 12, Lang has been on a tear, touring far beyond her hometown of Los Angeles, recording an EP called Feel Better, and working with some heavy hitters in the industry. As she approaches her 20s, Lang is slated to open for Cool in the Gang, record a new EP, perform in front of thousands at Los Angeles' Free to Be Festival, and play a series of shows up the California coast. Welcome to Independence Day, Nikki. Hi, thank you for having me. It's, you're so chipper. Oh, yes. It's, it's, it's wonderful to have you here. You come all the, way, all the way from Northridge. Yes. It's a beautiful Pasadena. Not too much trouble. Some people have a lot of trouble finding the, the campus here at Pasadena City College, but you seem to have found it okay. Yeah, actually, yeah. I um, went to school like 10 minutes away from here. I went to Loxa. And okay. um, so I've been in Pasadena so much in my life. You're an old hat. Yes, exactly. You know all about Pasadena. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I promised myself as, as I was prepping for the interview that I wasn't going to just keep dwelling on the fact of your, your young age, but like mm-hmm. it brings up so many different questions and so many different ways to talk about, you know, uh, this music business thing because you've got such a you must have such a different perspective. I mean, you know, you're an adult, you're a grown mm-hmm. up, you can vote, you know, yeah. be drafted. Maybe if you were, if, I don't know if they draft women. You don't have to sign up for selective service, do you? No, just no. dudes. So, but you know, but there's so many interesting things that I was thinking about when I was trying to come up with interesting things to talk about with you. And you know, the most obvious one, the first one is. You know, you're 19. You're obviously you're you're two years away from being legal. And so many places that musicians play are drinking establishments. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been doing this for a while, and obviously you're doing it kind of a professional level. But do you have a problem getting into gigs, or did you ever have a problem getting into gigs? Uh, you know, generally um, they'll let me play. They just won't let me have my friends come. Uh-huh. So uh, usually I just I'm just fine. Or or there was actually one gig that um, they had me just sit backstage the whole time. I couldn't go out or anything. They just had me sit on this couch, make sure I didn't steal any alcohol. And um, this was like in Utah. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. they're they're uh, maniacal about yeah, that stuff they're there. hard over there. But yeah, and I just kind of sat on this couch. And then they told me to go on. And then I had to wait for the next artist to go on and just sit on this couch and listen. But um, generally, I'm okay playing the gigs. It's just getting my friends, and that's the issue. Yeah. Because yeah, you have you have actual management, I do. So like you know when you show up at a show, I mean there's probably been a bunch of phone calls and there's a contract and things like that. So it's like they you know it's not mm-hmm. like you're just playing like the local open mic and trying to get into the, some bar to play, right? Yeah, yeah. Usually I have my management kind of book it for me and make sure everything is like set and um and all that. So I usually play venues that are that are set for me. I don't ever like show up and they tell me I can't play or anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't send you out on the road. You know, with uh-huh. you know, with that kind of detail, you know, that stone having not been turned. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, the other thing is listening to your music. We're going to get to your music in just a couple minutes. Here, you've got this EP called "Feel Better." How how long? That's not too long ago, right? Was that just like in the last year or so? When did you record um, that? It was about. I think it's about actually almost two years old, maybe okay. a year and a half. And um, I'm actually in the process of recording a new EP. Uh-huh. So um, so yeah, but this one is actually like a year and a half old. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to some music from that in just a second. You know, and, and in listening to this thing, and our listeners, our legion of fans out there in Radio Land will hear this in a couple minutes, but, you know, it's not bubblegum music, you know, for mm-hmm. your young age, you know, it's not like 
poppy lady gaga synthy stuff you know it's like real musicians and real writing (laughs) and real singing and kudos to you for that well thank you you know like so uh you know it's not an ageism thing but like so many young people are into this bouncy thumpy Mm -hmm. music and yours just seems so much more real than that yeah, well, that's the thing is that people kind of listen to what's on the radio. But I have so many friends my age and then even my sister who's 16 years old who just love going to like acoustic folk shows, uh-huh. you know, and it's just kind of like I feel like if they just put, you know, this kind of music on the on the radio yeah. that people my age or younger would listen to it. Definitely. It's yeah. just what they're putting on the radio and selling to people. And that's really all they have access to. Yeah. People there's this there's this saying, you know, people eat what they're fed. Right. You know, if, if what's at the table is, you know, I don't want to tool on Lady Gaga, but for example, if what's only, the only thing you eat on the buffet table is Lady Gaga, that's what they'll eat if they're hungry. Yeah, they're that's, all settle, that's, yeah. that's all that's there. Um, so, and, and there's a big resurgence now, I think, with, mm-hmm. you know, acoustic, and it's been growing for a long time. Like I got really into Iron and Wine oh, years yeah. ago. Sam Beam, huge fan of what mm-hmm. he does. And, you know, Sam Beam, you know, Sufjan Stevens, um, Bon Iver. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of these bands that are really embracing this kind of quieter, and I, th- I think it's almost a reaction to the computer oh, bleepy beepy. I call it broken cast register music. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, and but you know, in in light of that though, you know, your music it, it, it belies your age. It it seems very mature. Well, you know, thank you. What you write and the way it's performed and the way it's arranged. I mean, was is is this in, in just intentional? Did it just kind of happen that way, or was it planned that way? What's what's your what's your story? Um, well, my story is I, I just kind of write. Um, from true experiences and um, I don't try to you know I don't try to appeal to certain kind of people I just kind of put out what I like and I just hope that other people like it and generally people do because yeah. I'm just real and it's it's raw and it's just sort of you know real feelings and um, and I, maybe that's why it comes off as mature I guess but I just I don't want to candy coat anything I just kind of put it out there and yeah. um, so that's what I do so why you know why guitar uh, out of curiosity. Oh, yeah. It's very portable. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. one thing. Well, I was five years old, and I saw somebody playing guitar like on TV or something, and um, I asked my dad if he could get one for me, and just for fun, because I just thought it looked really cool. And um, so my dad was like, fine. And he got me this little toy guitar, which is like mini, for yeah. my mini five-year-old body, and um, he and didn't think it would be serious. And they're not built very well, those little toy no, ones. No, they're not. They, they don't stay in tune. No, they're The intonation is horrible. Yeah. And they sound pretty bad yeah so um but yeah he got it for me and and he he you know bought me a lesson all that stuff and he didn't really think anything was gonna happen with it you know little kids they always are experimenting with different things and I after my first lesson I just didn't put it down I just kept playing it like over and over and then I guess it just sort of became something that is part of me and I actually never gave it up so yeah I don't even remember what originally appealed it just was like cool look at that you, know? you don't remember what artist that was that you saw i i cannot remember i can't yeah. remember anything i just i still have that little toy guitar though it's in yeah. my room and it's 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 pretty bad but it's you know yeah how long was it before you graduated to like a quality instrument because that makes such a big deal i know because mm-hmm. you know just, just you know when i was starting out i had like a crappy guitar like just like right. you did i was a kid it was like fourth grade or third grade mm-hmm. or whatever and they got me this junky guitar that I it, I could barely play it but that's I don't I'm convinced to this day it's not because I couldn't play it's because the instrument was impossible to play right. <laughs> you know and then I got a, a little bit of a nicer guitar for Christmas one year and then I had an uncle mm-hmm. my mom's brother and he had a really nice guitar and he you know he had kind of gotten up into his 30s and had kind of abandoned it right. and like I remember I was so proud of my kind of cheap electric guitar that I got that Christmas and I was showing everybody <laughs> at my grandmother's house and my uncle 
said, well, I've got this old Gibson I don't play. So I, I bumped up from this mm. crappy guitar to this Gibson in like one morning. And then and that was incredible because it really, I played a lot better right. because of that. You know, they Definitely. say, you know, you know, you don't need a great instrument, but it certainly helps, I think. Yeah, and also gives you a little more drive because you're like, oh, look at this cool little thing I've got. You yeah. know, you could show it off. Actually, I have a similar story. I had that really bad guitar for a couple of years, and then uh-huh. I think I was about eight or nine, and my um, for Christmas I got this Fender Strat, like American-made Fender Strat, nice. and it was like this turquoise, and it was beautiful. I was in love with it. And then I had it for a couple of years, and it was like my my best friend, and then um, I went on vacation stupid i checked the guitar oh no got off the plane and it was gone and then that was goodbye to my most expensive guitar i've ever had <laughs> at like 11 years old and then um but yeah after that i kind of found like um, the martin i play martin acoustic uh-huh. now and i you know have that sort of thing but but yeah that was a very sad day when i lost that <laughs> i oh man that traveling with an instrument is an absolute boondoggle. Oh no, I know. It's I have so many stories, and I've worked for bands, and I've toured, and all you know, all different aspects. And the worst is, I flew to Philadelphia once, and I and I gate checked the guitar, you know, mm-hmm. where you take it down to the gate, and then supposedly they're supposed to bring it to the gate, but they never do. Right, it just spits right. out with the rest of the luggage, you know. And I got the really expensive Colton five hundred dollar touring case for my mm-hmm. guitar, you know, cost more than most people's guitars. Right, <laughs> and I got it in a really bright color, so it's easy to see, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but this was before I had the really nice case. I flew to Philadelphia and I, the, the, my guitar never came out. So I went over to the little baggage claim area and this was before September 11th. So there's a lot more, you could get a lot closer to the plane. So mm-hmm. the baggage area where you complained was right next to the door with a window in it that looked right out onto the tarmac. And I'm standing there and I'm, I'm giving this guy the third degree, you know, pr- you know, politely, of course, right. where <laughs> is my Martin? <laughs> I'm going to kill you if this doesn't show up. And as I'm talking to him, I'm just kind of looking around. I look over through that window, and then I see my guitar out in the rain. No. About 60 feet right out there, like kind of by itself in uh-huh. the rain. I'm like, you, Francis, come here. Go get it. It's right there. Go get it. You know, and I think he got it, and then he just, then I, that was a way to get rid of me, which is fine because right. then I got my guitar and end of the story. But it, sorry, it's a tangential story, but like it's traveling. You, mean, you must go through this all the time, traveling with guitars. Yeah, yeah, I really do. Um... I do, but usually because now I, I carry like a, a soft case with me and can kind of just check it. I mean, not yeah. check it, put bring it on the plane and that sort yeah. of thing. And um, but the problem sometimes with that is that they're a little more like hardcore. They're a little more like yeah. intense about it. Like I went to Canada, I did this festival, and through customs, um, they they didn't bother me, but they bothered the other guitarist I was with because he was carrying a guitar. They like questioned him for like two hours about this guitar, and he was like, "This is just a guitar. I'm just gonna go play a music festival," and they were just like. How would you feel if a Canadian just walked into America with a guitar on their back? And he was like, I really wouldn't care. We, we let Brian Adams and Neil Young in. Yeah, I know. I'm Come sure on. they had guitars when they came. Yeah. So anyway. So what any other any other like random, you know, weird horror stories dealing with traveling with instruments that you have? I mean, other than hmm. I mean I guess the losing of the strat is certainly big enough. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um none that I can think of at the at the moment. Um I'm sure I'm sure there are many, but um at the moment, nothing. I mean, I traveled all the way to Ireland, and I was totally fine, which was with a guitar a and a soft case, huh? Yeah, which was such a relief. Um, when I had like five suitcases with me, and everything was fine. But yeah. for some reason, traveling like in America, <laughs> it's a lot harder. Yeah, I, I've <laughs> I've traveled with instruments around Europe too. It's different. They yeah, they, they respect music more. Oh yeah, in definitely. in Europe. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't I don't want to get down to like the American exceptionalism road, mm-hmm. but they really do mm-hmm. appreciate the arts more. I think. Oh, yeah, you definitely. Know, over there. You know, artists here who have a hard time getting gigs can go over there and, like, tour in a bus. 
Oh, yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. I just traveled around Ireland. I went to all the major cities, and I was uh, traveling with another band, and we were just in this van. And, like, every single venue was just, like, packed. And I'm just this American girl, like, oh, hey, you know. I played, and they... The room was just silent, and it was so amazing to have these people just wow. re- respect me. I'm from Los Angeles. It's so hard to get everybody's, you know, attention, and they're just like they're just in awe of music, and they're just listening, and they love like just acoustic. It's just great. So they really respect they really respect musicians over there. Yeah, so. it's it dare to dream, huh? Yeah, definitely. I think LA is <laughs> a terrible place to play. Everybody's in the industry. Everybody's jaded, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's just hard. It's hard to play here because oh, yeah. people don't pay attention. They don't care. There's a few places I noticed. You, you said you've been you've played at a hotel cafe, right? Yeah, but they they care there. Yeah, that's you know? a great venue. I, yeah. I love that venue. The only problem with with that is that if like you play the hotel cafe, then you can't play like certain other venues. They have right. these these rules where you can only play like one venue a month, and if you play this venue, then they'll cancel your your uh, show with this other one and they have this whole like complicated thing and it's so difficult to just get a show every week because everybody's yeah. you know competing and and all that but yeah we're all on the same team man yeah i know, I don't know why that's <laughs> everybody has to be so rude about it let's hear some of your music you know i want to give people a chance to kind of feel what you know yeah. hear what you're all about this is the first track the title track from your ep which came out low these two years ago or so mm-hmm. uh feel better is the track and this is from the ep feel better which people can it's still available people can yeah, get this iTunes. on itunes mm-hmm. do you still have you must have physical copies too that people can yeah, buy I shows do. um you go you can go on cd baby or um on my website actually i think you can order them for you know get them in the mail cool well this is nikki lang with her track feel better on independence day
Nikki Lang on Independence Day. We've got her live in the studio. My name is Joe Armstrong. I am your host here on the Independence Day program on Lancer Radio every Wednesday night from 7 until 8 p.m. Pacific time. 89.1 FM is where you can find us on the dial. More than likely, however, you are probably listening to us on the internets, and you can find us there at lancerradio.org. Uh, I've got a fancy new website you can check out, and that is indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, at indepday, and also, I believe we are facebook.com slash indepday. So we've, we're all branded up. We're all got our horses all lined up, ducks lined up, horses in a row. I'm not sure if I'm mixing my metaphors, but you get the idea. Also, if you want to learn about Nikki Lang, N-I-K-K-I-L-A-N-G, and she's got nikkilang.com as well. And she's also on the Facebook and also on MySpace. And you can find out pretty much everything you need to know about her at NikkiLang.com. That was her track, Feel Better, title track from her EP. And again, welcome. I'm happy to have you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were talking about this on the break. It, it's so it's so mature. And I'm a sucker for mid-tempo music. Mm-hmm. And it's just a touch morose. You know, and I, I don't feel like I'm a sad guy, but I love sad music. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Me and too. it seems like we, you and I should probably share that in common. Yeah, I think it's it's just kind of like it's real. It's just real music, I think. And it's just kind of like I feel like everyone kind of relates to that sort of on some level, um, that like morose sort of sad heartbreak sort of thing. And um, and yeah, I really embrace that. I do have my other sides, definitely do. I have my, you know, my rock side or my, you know, happier side. But I really, I really do feel for the morose, sad, you yeah. know, songs. <laughs> it's well, the, it's it's such a real emotion, and you get into that place where something has happened, you know, a relationship has failed, or mm-hmm. and it's so raw, you know, and that's the time to pick up your guitar, right. you know, or that's the time to like write stuff down. Let's talk about your writing process a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you said you started tinkering around like eight years old. You wrote a song for your sister, right? Yeah. Yeah, my first song I wrote, I was eight years old um, with that little guitar, and um, it just had the words, Erica, Erica, dance, 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 over and over and over again. It sounds like a Katy Perry song. Yeah, I know, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I should bring it back, you know? Um, But but yeah, so that that was like the first time I started writing, and I kind of obviously grew from that. um, But I wrote my first real song when I was 12, and, um, and yeah, so I guess I've been kind of growing and writing ever since. Yeah. What's your output? Are you pretty prolific? I mean, do you, is it something you work on like every day diligently or do you just kind of let it happen as it happens? I wish I could work on it every day. Um, but it's, it's just, it's weird how it works. It's like you can spend, you know, a month and not have anything to write and not have any, any ideas and you can sit with your guitar and nothing comes out. And then all of a sudden one day, like you're, you know, you're driving or something and you hear like somebody say a, a sentence or something and it just totally inspires you. And, um, that's usually what I do is I'll I'll just I'll hear something or be inspired and just start writing and then all of a sudden you know I'm writing like ten songs at once and yeah. that's sort of how it works. So what do you what do you capture your music on? I mean do you do you like keep a notebook with you? That's what the old timers used to do, or do you have a laptop with you or an iPad or like what, what do you do to capture these ideas? Because I find when I get an idea, I have to write it down right away because mm-hmm. my mind will start tinkering with it and then okay. I will somehow like in in like my mind's uh, striving to try to improve it, it'll actually screw it up. 
Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. I think that kernel, that initial idea, that initial seed's probably the best. The best, yeah. You know, so, but, you know, so I, I used to use an actual micro cassette recorder, but now I've got an iPhone, which is much, 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 much better. Much better, yeah. So, what, what's your process? What do you use? Um, it depends on where I am. There are places where I, like, if I have paper, I'll just, I'll write it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are times where I'm driving the car, I'm like, oh my God, I cannot forget this. And I'll have my iPhone and I'll, I'll just, like, write it down in the notes or something. Mm-hmm. And um, it just kind of depend, depends on where I am. Um, you know, there was actually one time I did write, like, on the back of my, my nine-year-old sister's coloring book. Mm-hmm. I wrote all the things, and she got so mad at me because I was doing it over, like, her drawing. Yeah. <laughs> so it just kind of depends on, on where I am. It's a funny artist thing. I, I remember I put the sequence together for my last record on the the placemat at a sushi restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like, I was waiting for my food to show up, and I was just doodling, and I was right. like... I guess it was just, I don't know why I was thinking about the song order, because that's really important to me. The order of songs is like a big deal to me. Oh, uh-huh. And uh, I just started like writing it out and I and I wrote this list. And as I was looking at it, I was like, wow, I think I think that's going to be the order of the actual album. Uh-huh. So I think I may even have that placemat. It's got soy sauce and wasabi right, all over it. Um, so so you, you said you do you play, you must play every day. Do you play guitar mm-hmm. every day? I do. I play every day. Um there's some days I take I take breaks because my fingers are actually they've got the worst calluses on them. Um, By worst, do you mean best or do you best mean... like best? Like I cannot feel a thing like on the end of them. Here, <laughs> I mean since I was five, I've been playing. Uh-huh. Um, so there's some days where I give it, I give them a break, um, or my hands will start shaking or something, and I'm like, okay, wow, it's time to really set it down. Yeah. But generally, I play I play every day. Now you went to an arts high school, um, and do you? Did you specialize? I mean, did you specialize in music? I mean, I just mm-hmm. went to like a regular, normal person high school, and I did yeah. music all the time, you know. So, I mean, we in our, there are a lot of arts in my school, um, but at yours, being all arts, I mean, do they do they ask you to specify a particular like program of study, or how does that work? Yeah, um, it's it's an audition based school, so you audition to be like either in dance or theater or music or you know visual arts, uh-huh. and um, I was my major was vocal jazz. So I mm-hmm. sang like I learned all about like jazz theory and jazz. Two five one. Yeah, two five one. Oh God, <laughs> memories. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was the just five of five. What's the five of five? In oh you? God. <laughs> yeah, it was just like it's just you know all that sort of stuff, and then I sang in this like you know vocal jazz ensemble, and it. Um, as much as I, I'm definitely not pursuing jazz in any way, definitely um, kind of gave me a foundation a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know a lot of a lot of you know theory and that sort of thing, and. Um, uh, and yeah, a lot of like new techniques and stuff, but there wasn't like any pop program or any like, yeah. you know, I couldn't play guitar or anything there. Yeah. yeah. I noticed as you were rehearsing stuff before this, I noticed that you, you slipped a minor four chord somewhere in your, mm-hmm. in your music, you know, and that's, yeah. that, that always, that always <laughs> impresses me because people, people kind of have to know what that is to, yeah. to drop it in, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a believer. I, I think, you know, BB King doesn't read music and I certainly wouldn't take anything away from that guy. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of musicians. Some, I know I know some fantastic musicians who don't read a note and never have right. and probably never will. But I also think there's something to be said. It's Sometimes I think it's easier or more – what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's better to break the rules if you know what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, Because then at least you have some idea of what you're doing or why you're doing it. Yeah, definitely. You know, like, I love the, like I love a major two chord. Mm-hmm. Like I, I slip those into my songs anytime I get a chance to put a major two chord. Because, yeah. you know, in any given key, the two is diatonically a minor. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking inside baseball now. Right, yeah. So, But I love it. And, and, and it always, for some reason, it's always in the bridge. 
Uh-huh. Like that, I had, it's it's such a it's that a, little change, yeah. It just yeah. makes the mood change. Yeah. Exactly, and, and bridges are so important. And yeah. I want to get to some more music. We'll come back and talk with you in just a second. And <laughs> after that, after this tune, we'll probably have you play some stuff live in our studio as well. You brought your Martin, mm-hmm. which has survived many a journey around yeah. the world. So, but let's hear something else from that first EP of yours because I think you said the most of the stuff you're going to be playing live is newer material, yeah, right? Is. Stuff that's going to be on the next EP probably. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's play something else. This is something else from the EP, uh, which is uh, Feel Better. This is the I'm not sure which track it is. On the, the the CD. It's but the last one. The last one. Okay, mm-hmm. this is the track "Cute but Stupid" on Independence Day. Nikki Lang. You're cute, but you're stupid in love with yourself. You're cute. You're like Cupid, shot an arrow at yourself. You're cute, but you're stupid in love with yourself. You're cute. You're like Cupid, you pointed an arrow at me, but you shot yourself. For one thing, you make me look so smart, and I'm not a genius by any means. Do you even have a brain or a heart? Such a pretty smile you own, but you got that look on your face. You don't quite know what's going on. It's such a disgrace. Just stop talking, I know what you say.
Nikki Lang on Independence Day. Good evening, Nikki. Thank you for being here. It's a beautiful evening in Pasadena. Yes, it is. It's lovely. I'm happy to have you here. And your smile makes it even better having you here in the studio. And the snappy poppy tune, again, on the break there while that was playing, we are talking about the different types of things. What, um, what are your favorite subjects to write about, do you think? Um, probably uh, relationships and... and um I really like, I really, really, really like writing about guys that um, kind of screwed me over. And uh, it's sort of like getting getting back at them. Like Cupid Stupid was a little bit, a little bit, you know, sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. yeah, it gives you, uh, it's, it's a bigger, uh, it's a bigger voice when you've got the mic. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I certainly, I, I actually have to try really, really hard to not write about failed relationships. Mm-hmm. I could write 10 songs a day. If, <laughs> literally, if I was going to write about, that was, because that's like my bread and butter. My whole first album was all girlfriend breakup mm-hmm. stuff, you know. And I, you know, and I thought, it, I mean, I, I hope it was good. Um, but it's, it's like that, that muscle for me is like muscle memory, just writing those phrases and all the oh, music yeah. I listen to is so much about that stuff too. Mm-hmm. So this, the, the newer record is, is more diverse. It wasn't a heartbreak record, but I, th- I think I feel one coming on. Yeah, <laughs> I feel another happens. heartbreak record coming on. <laughs> it's good. Maybe every other record, maybe if I can, if I can get it down to 50%, maybe that'll be okay. So what else other than, than boys, like, like, you know, um, and who done you wrong? Like what else? There's gotta be um, <laughs> something else in there. Yeah. I write a lot of different kinds of stuff. Um, I, I wrote uh, a couple songs about like the music industry, that sort of thing, and um, like struggling and kind of trying to to keep um, you know being yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've written a lot of that sort of stuff, and then I don't like all over the place. I wrote a song inspired by Joni Mitchell. It was called Joni Mitchell, and uh, all, all sorts of stuff. Appropriately enough. Uh, appropriately, yes, and uh, and yeah, I, I've written a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I guess I do write a lot of a lot of love songs. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. There's a, there's a lot of love out there, and a lot there of is. love loss. There's just, it's fertile territory. That's true. Um, so this is this is probably the dumbest question I will ask all night. But it's it's a it's a very specific writing question, and mm-hmm. almost every every writer gets asked this. Even the other day, I went to an interview with John Hyatt, mm-hmm. and he got asked this question too. But when you write, um, what what comes first? You know, do you does is it a lyrical idea that sparks a musical idea? Is it a melody that then you apply words to? Is it a combination of the two? Every artist, and this is why, even though it's kind of a pat question, every artist has a very unique answer to this. I've found. What is oh, what yeah. is your process? No, I love this question. Um, I usually write lyrics first, and that's uh, most people I know do it the other way around. But uh, I usually write lyrics first, which sometimes causes my songs to have weird forms, like a longer verse or a longer, you know, bridge. Um, but usually lyrics first, then I'll come up with a, with chords or a melody that, that goes with it. But once in a while, the, I'll just be walking and I'll, you know, hear something in my head, like a melody. Um, but yeah, generally it's lyrics first, then music. Do you do, you, um, do, you do poetry as well? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I used to, but... Um, it's harder, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know because usually I write when I'm writing first. It's it's just the words that I can't hear any music with it, so mm-hmm. it kind of is like a poem that I put to music, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes it doesn't work, so I have to like you know change things around. But but yeah, I, I did do poetry when I was younger. Yeah. I was really into it. So I I find it much more intimidating when I set out you know because sometimes I'll just write something and think well this is more poetic or poetry esque mm-hmm. than song songy. And, and then I'll pursue that. But I feel 
I feel more open when I'm writing for music because I know I'm going to have the music to lean on. Like you said, right. if I if I come up with a phrase that's longer, I can just tag that verse. Mm-hmm. I know that it, that will be okay. Right. And like with poetry, maybe because I don't write as much poetry, I feel more restricted is not the right word, but I feel like I've got more rules to adhere to mm-hmm. or to, to be to impress people with poetry because there's right. no music to lean on. Right, it's right. stark. It's just totally exposed. And that's mm-hmm. that's harder, I think. Yeah, I think I think just because when I first listen to music, the first thing I, I hear in a, in a new song will, will be the the lyrics. I'll be listening uh-huh. for lyrics first. So generally, I just I want to make sure that my lyrics that they make sense and that they're strong enough. Because I don't want to write something that's like mostly music and then the lyrics aren't really strong enough. And I feel like it's just it's difficult. I I just really believe in words and the message and yeah. everything in it. And it's funny because some people don't listen at all. Oh, most people don't. I, I've I've <laughs> known I've known people, you know. They've been listening to a song for 20 years, like a, a friend, and I ask her, well, you know, well, what, that's mm-hmm. a cool line. She goes, what line? I said, that that line that he just said, yeah. or she just said, that was really cool. Oh, I, I never noticed. Mm-hmm. There are words in this song. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny, too, because I think, you know, every human being, with rare exceptions, you carry your voice around. It's what, you know, people sing in the shower, they sing in the car. It's what mm-hmm. every, it's the instrument, whether it's good or bad or, or trained or not, every human being has this instrument. So it's the one that they can relate to the most. Right. And I don't think they pay attention sometimes. It's this weird conundrum. Yeah, it is true. Um, so, you know, went to this arts high school. Now you're in music, you know, pretty much full time. And you've actually taken, in, like, you've, you've kind of deferred starting college, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Does this make your parents nervous or no. not? <laughs> Actually, not at all. I was really surprised. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was going to go to UCLA and then um, I booked this European tour and um, started kind of booking a bunch of other stuff. And I, I realized that um, for now, it's just kind of pursuing music is, is the right thing. And I'm just kind of going to live in the moment and it makes sense for me and I'm happy doing it. And um, my parents actually, well, my mom's like a total like hippie dippy. Like she made me go to this like progressive education school when I was a kid. No grades. No, you know, she's kind of like, oh, you know, free spirit. But and my dad is um, my dad's just like really supportive. He just supports me in every decision. And um, I'm sure that if I just dropped out of college and didn't pursue anything that he'd be a little bit like, OK, you know, let's do something. Yeah. But he's very supportive. He's in the entertainment business and he. He totally believes in me, and he believes that you know I'm going to succeed, and he thinks I did the right thing. So yeah, and, and it's them seeing you doing doing stuff, right? Playing actual shows and getting out on the road, and like mm-hmm. you know making EPs and recording. It's not like you're sitting around in your basement eating Cheetos and playing PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. you know you're you're actually doing stuff. You yeah, know? it's funny because I think some people get into music specifically because or the arts in general, because they can't really be in the real organized world. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes it kind of harder for the rest of us musicians who are actually trying to accomplish something. Right, right, it's true. Um, so so they're supportive of this college thing. Now, is, mm-hmm. UC, now, this is, is UCLA supportive of this decision? Is it, did you, like, do you have kind of like a standing, have you been admitted and, they, and you went to them and said, hey, I'll come back in a year, and they said, oh, that's cool, or is it just kind of like, I'm off doing what I'm doing and we'll – We'll revisit this. Yeah, if I don't I see. I don't. I don't really know what they would do. Like, I feel like if I, I feel like if I wanted to go back, I could possibly get back in there. But yeah. I just don't know if I'd want to go back to UCLA or, yeah. or. I mean, I'm not. It's an amazing school. It's just not what I want to do right now. Yeah. What would you have studied there? Ethnomusicology. Mm, that's impressive. Yeah, you'd think so, <laughs> but it wasn't my it wasn't my thing. It just I yeah. you know didn't well, really relate to it. You, you've got time. Yeah. UCLA, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not going anywhere. 
Yeah, when you're true. when you're ready, they'll they'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't you play us a song? I know you you were talking before. You've got a whole bunch of new songs you're working on for this new EP. Um, do you have a uh, you're you're actually recording it now, right? You're in the middle of the process um, of recording. Yeah, I'm, it, I'm in rehearsals right now for okay. it. Uh, we're recording in a couple weeks. And now, yeah. when you go in the studio, do you kind of bang things out, or is it like a long, longer process? Everybody's got their um, own way of working. Your music sounds very produced, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems you know very crafted, and sometimes that takes more time. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, that EP was uh, we had only two days to like really record, so it was one day I just did vocals for twelve hours, and then the day before that it was you know all the musicians, and then later on there was like crafting and adding things and mastering all that stuff. Um, but but yeah, I don't know for this this next one is I have a new producer, so we're kind of doing a little more of a like a I don't want to say indie, but a little more like indie alternative instead of the like straight up pop. Mm-hmm. And um, so that'll kind of be a different thing. I think it'll be more of a live sound, more of like, you know, um, less produced. And that might take, you know, longer. It might take shorter. I mean, yeah. I guess we'll see. It's funny because sometimes getting things to sound raw takes more time because, at least in the recording session, mm-hmm. because you have to set everything up right. to be raw, mm-hmm. you know. Um, because you you get leakage and you know between different instruments in the studio if you're going to record stuff live. And that's okay, but you have to commit to that all the way, right? You know, like if you're if you're gonna go that raw route, you're you're in. Oh you yeah, know, because you can't go back and fix the guy who played a, you know, the wrong the thing, wrong yeah. chord <laughs> or girl or whatever. You know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, let's let's hear some something else. Tell, tell us what this is. What's the name of this tune you're gonna play? Um, this song is called "Broken Now." Okay, and this will be on the new EP. Is there is there a target release date? Maybe or no? No idea. Out there in the really, ether somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right, cool. Lay it on us. All right. Going to sleep was never the issue Was waking up only to miss you Seeing empty space next to me Where your head once lay in pretty sleep Our engines, they're all worn out We've driven this same damn route Over and over And we just don't learn Each time we touch the fire We get burned And I, I just wanna know Why do you kiss me when I'm Is now you come running back around to cut me open just one more time to take what's yours. This heart ain't mine, and I, I just wanna know why do you kiss me when I'm crying? Why do you kiss me?
Nikki. Thank you. <laughs> that's good. And that's going to be on your new EP. Mm-hmm. When it's, and you're going to be tracking that pretty soon, I guess, right? Yeah. Tell me about the working relationship. Now, this is a new producer. So, um, you know, so do, like, how do you work? Do you like, it's a he. Yes. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So you, uh, do you just sit in a room and play him the song? And then he says to you, we should do this, this, and this. Or do you come to him and say, and kind of like give him a, prim- like a primer and say, well, I really want it to be this, this, and this, and this, and then play the song. It's, I, I find that I find the working relationship between producers and artists fascinating. Oh yeah, how that works. Like, what, 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 what how does it work with this guy? Um, this guy is com- it's completely different than the last guy. Um, this guy, I've actually, he's a guitarist. Um, he's a guitarist, and he he has been playing with me for like the last three years. He played on my first EP. He sings with me, like. He, I don't know, he's just been like, he knows my music so well. He knows it just as well as I do. So I just kind of asked him, like, hey, do you want to maybe produce this album since you know me and my music so well? And he just was like, sure. And he's not a producer or anything. He's just a really good musician. And he totally gets my stuff. And um, so that's kind of how it works. We just kind of, like, I'll say something like, oh, maybe this will work. And then he'll be like, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And we, we kind of are on the same same level. So mm-hmm. so that's how it really works. Trust is extremely important, i found. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, though, too, because sometimes it works the other way. Um, a classic example, you know who T-Bone Burnett is? Oh, yes. Big-time producer. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of his stuff. And he's, and he's, he's got, like, you know, him and Rick Rubin have, like, the Midas touch. Mm-hmm. Like, everything they do, uh, you know, it may not sell a trillion copies, although Rubin has certainly sold a lot of copies of stuff yeah. he's produced, and T-Bone has, too. But everything they do is, is good, which I'd find fascinating. They're you know, just amazing producers. They're amazing producers. And the classic example of T-Bone mm-hmm. um, that, you know, it was um, like an adversarial relationship with an artist was uh, Counting Crow's first record, mm-hmm. August and Everything After, which I, I love that record. But the stories of them, their working relationship during making that record are legendary. Like mm-hmm. the band hated him. because really? Because they wanted, you know, they're a young band and like, you know, like young musicians, a lot of times they want to play a lot and have a lot of notes and like mm-hmm. fast and like a lot of stuff and a lot of ideas and they're you know they're young they've right. got a lot of energy and he kept stripping things away you know mm-hmm. no no less less mm-hmm. give me less no no give me less you know take away symbols take away toms take away things right. you know and, and like really pushing them to do something different mm-hmm. than they would have done on their own and the i think the art they made was fantastic Oh, you know, yeah. that album is, is to this day, you know, it's sold, it sold a lot of copies, but it's good. Yeah, that's what I actually I love about uh, T-Bone is he's like everything that he does. is just so it's so simple. He like f- finds the simplicity in the music and yeah. it's just it's so beautiful. And it's so I don't know. It's it's like I don't know. It's just perfect. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I, love I call it, it elemental, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm and it's and I love to see him working with different artists over time. Like he's you know, now he's he did. um 
Buddy Miller is one of my favorite guitar players. He's, mm-hmm. He was along for the uh, part of the Raising Sand tour with Alison Krauss Allison and Krauss. Robert Plant. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a Nashville session guy. He's got his own career as well. And he, you know, he then he got... He got to work with T Bone Burnett, and it's mm-hmm. just it, I, I just I just find it fascinating. He's such a great producer, and Ruben, yeah. the other guy. I mean, between those two guys, who would be your number one choice if you if you got to pick? I mean, this new guy in your band, I'm mm-hmm. sure he's great. I don't want to put you on the spot, but like yeah. you know, hypothetically, if you got have any producer in the world to produce your next record, who would? That's it be? so funny that you're asking that because I was going to say I would say T Bone um, yeah. because I actually just was asked this the, like recently, um, and uh, yeah, I said T Bone because he just like. He he gets it the simplicity and and what I was saying before and I think that my music's very simple but um, yeah that's a, I would love to work with him that would be like a dream come true yeah well <laughs> yeah. there's time he's still around and he's yeah. still producing although I imagine he's probably booked uh, yeah. how, how, probably what do you think five years you yeah think? probably probably booked five years out but then you know you'd be only be in your mid twenties yeah by the time you got to work with him that's pretty good yeah it's, it's how good. about another song all right something else. Um, yeah, sure. Tell us about it. Tell, tell us a little bit about it before you play it. What is this about? This one's not about a breakup or a guy or anything, actually. Um, this one <laughs> this one is kind of like more of my like angsty side. Uh-huh. And um, and it's it's about like those those beautiful girls that are just pure evil. And um, like their one talent is manipulation. And hmm. they're like so good at it. And uh, it's sort of that. It's from a perspective of a girl who kind of gets screwed over by another girl. Mm. So instead of getting screwed over by a boy, it's a girl. <laughs> always, always with the getting screwed over. Mm-hmm. It's, it's again, it's fertile territory, you know. Yeah. You know, people. I think it's funny that people complain about bad behavior, you know, for celebrities. But I think people live vicariously through their celebrities, and they want them to act out. Oh yeah. You know, so it's like you. At the same time, they're like, it's like they they avert their eyes. Oh, I can't look, but then they look. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't look. Oh, but they, but mm-hmm. you know, it's like they 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 you know some housewife in Nebraska, you know, wants to see Charlie Sheen go off the deep end because she'll <laughs> never get the chance to do that. It's so true, actually. That's anyway, so true. Enough of my yakking. Lay down. So, what, so this is a, this is about a, a different type of uh, uh, relationship gone wrong. Yes, uh, the song is called Monsters. told me not every monster looks like one they come in all shapes and sizes like strangers with candy people holding guns she failed to mention pretty girls in blue dresses wearing shoes with buckles who would have guessed it not me Met her eyes were glowing with something bright, but it wasn't the kind of pure, pretty light. More like a fire, desire, a devil, lust in a burn me down. I felt the knife in my back as soon as it turned around.
ass Twirling your perfect hair as you let EAF And I kinda just wanna break her face So she flirts her way up to first place Skin. The girl who killed you to win The girl who killed to get a name brought up She'll use every man till she's had enough She kissed my man, that was enough When she kissed my man, that was too much When she kissed my man, that was enough Better back off, girl, not getting what you Very nice, Nikki. I Thank like you. the I like the laugh there at the end. And you are listening to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. I am with you every Wednesday night from seven to eight p.m. Sometimes we go a little long here on Gorilla Radio. We bring you artists from L.A. around the country. Talk about the changes in the music business tonight. We have, as I said, the young, the beautiful, the pleasant <laughs> Nikki Lang here in the studio with us, and she's playing original material she's written. Uh, we heard a couple tracks from her last EP just a few minutes ago, and we will be hearing more live music here in just a second. My question, I want to ask you more writing questions because it seems like we've kind of gotten onto this, you know, we've kind of hit a, like a a vein of gold here in terms of like writing. Uh Uh, I love talking about writing. Um, You know, you've you've got a lot of these like relationship songs, interpersonal relationship songs, Mm -hmm. you know, good, bad, otherwise. Do you ever, um, do you push yourself to write about other stuff? Because it took me years before I figured out that I could do that. You know, like almost as an exercise. Yeah. You know, to say like, okay. I've written my 10,000th breakup song, you know, and obviously I can do that in my sleep. So mm-hmm. I'm going to write a song about trolleys. Yeah. You know? I mean, do you ever push yourself like that? Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. Um, uh, I just generally have more breakup songs that, that pe- or, I don't know, relationship songs that people that people really like. Um, but I do have a lot um, of other stuff. And there are a couple of times I've been like, okay, I'm totally going to write about something random. Like I wrote a song about whales. But I just, like whales, animals. And um, yeah. <laughs> not, not in England. Not, not yeah, not, not whales. whales. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Although that would be cool too. Yeah. You know, maybe that's a new idea. Uh, but, but people... Uh, I don't know if people could really relate to that as much. I mean, I might if I have like a full album, maybe put a couple yeah. of those songs in there. But when I'm just going out and I only have a couple of songs to show to people, I want to do something that's most relatable and, you know, something that they can remember or that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Well, but it's funny, though, as a writer, you don't have to show those songs to people. You're exercising something. 
Right, you right. Know, I've written things. I mean, I don't want to sound like I sit with a workbook and like check things off. Mm-hmm. But there's times where it's like I write something, you know, and maybe I'll show it to people. Maybe I won't. Right. But I want to I want to flex my writing muscle and take it, push myself into a new direction. And then if I feel Definitely. like it's good enough or worthy or, you know, maybe they'll get it, maybe they won't. Then maybe I'll show it to somebody. But I don't have to. Mm-hmm. I remember reading uh, whether you like Brian Adams or not. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I remember reading once because he's written some very catchy, poppy, rocky songs, mm-hmm. especially in the 80s, really popular. Um, and he, I remember reading, I don't know if it was 250 or like 500 songs. He said he'd written 500 songs or something like that wow. before he really felt like he had any idea what he was doing, you wow. know, because he just wrote and wrote and wrote because he felt like he would get better at it if mm-hmm. he just, if he really, really tried at it, you know, and I, I, I find that fascinating and I'm not that diligent. I wish I was, but mm-hmm. I've definitely written to, to push and I, and I should do it more. Honestly, I should push myself right. to push myself to uh-huh. write more in that vein, in that vein rather. Um, and these relationship songs we're talking about, you know, th- there's that moment. And I want to really find out what you think about this because you're, there's always like a person in mind, like mm-hmm. you bastard, you screwed me over, you right. know, or you mean girl or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you never really find out if they've heard it, you yeah. know, Mm-hmm. Like, do you fantasize about them hearing that song and going, oh, Dickie Lynn got me? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, most people kind of like, they do hear it. Like, they'll hear because, you know, there's there's uh, internet now. So everyone kind right. of is like, oh, listen to the song short about you. And they, they do hear it. I don't really hear from them. Yeah. But there actually, there was this one time, oh, God, it's a horror story. There was this one time that I that I played one of my really, like, you know, really mean songs about somebody. <laughs> and it was very specifically about that person. And everybody knew it was about that person. Had you changed the names to protect the innocent or were there no, uh, I had no changed, I, I didn't say the name, but I said every, like every specific thing about the person in the song. And so there was this, this, you know, this one time I did the show and I, I played it and I, you can't see the audience. So you're just playing and I do the song. And I'm like, Oh, here's to the, the stupidest guy I ever met. Like whatever. Like, thank God he's not here to hear it. And so I play the, the song. Everybody like is cheering. They love it. Oh, my favorite song. Afterwards, the dude's there. He comes up to me. Um, nice song you wrote about me. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing here? You know? And it's like, not like I was like, you know, heartbroken that he heard it, but it was sort of kind yeah. of a horror story a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's funny though. I think, you know, aging will help that a little bit because Maybe. your circle becomes a lot bigger. Right. You know, like when you're in high school, you're stuck with the same, I don't know how big your high school was. You know, we had a couple of 250 kids in my grade and then you know mm-hmm. we were a big class so there wasn't there weren't even a thousand people in my high school yeah 600 you know? in mine yeah so you're, you're you see the same people so like all the people who are going to do right by you and do wrong by you you're all in the same fishbowl right you know but then once you get into a bigger bowl or a bigger pond or you know the, the, the that body of water yeah. just keeps getting bigger and they'll still be around but i guess maybe that's what i wonder is that like when i write these songs i mean so you know it's about them. i don't know yeah. that my ex-girlfriends listen to i i doubt that they listen to my music they're finally happy to be rid of me perhaps you know i feel like they do though i'm sure that they secretly listen to it and they're like oh you know i I think girls really like that like when guys write songs about them even if it's just like even if it's a horrible song it's like oh it's the tension you know like oh he's writing a song about me armstrong yeah (laughs) shouldn't have done this that or the other thing right so uh one other random question what you know you you know your music is fairly real you're writing about real things you're playing a real guitar you've got real musicians on your record what do you think about like the prefabricated or like the, the american idol process do you, do you think it's valid do you think it's horse manure um i can't stand american idol i can't even i can't even watch it without like wanting to throw up it makes it's not that the people aren't talented or, or whatever it's just it just feels so wrong like that's not what music is and um 
and all of those those talent shows make me feel so I don't know it makes me feel empty like yeah I understand that they're trying to, to make it big but that, that's not that's not the right way to reach people and um, at least that's how I feel yeah um, so I would never people ask me that all the time why didn't you do American Idol you could totally do it so why would I do American Idol I'm doing I all this other stuff I would rather go to the dentist <laughs> yeah I know so that's how I feel about it yeah and I, I feel like it's almost indicative of a bigger problem in our society is that we want to buy our, our things mm-hmm. we want to take a pill we want to like instant way to get somewhere mm-hmm. you know whereas i feel like it's more like my methodology would be more like what what, is, what would tom petty do mm-hmm. he worked his ass off that's how tom petty got famous and he was talented and right. he worked and worked and worked and worked until you know the seed got took root you right. know and you know would tom petty you know he'd be voted off the first round mm-hmm. you know because he's not especially good looking you know, his songs would be great, but in his, in, but his voice is certainly unconventional. Right. You know, but, you know, or look at the Beatles, put the Beatles on, on American mm-hmm. Idol, you know, it's, it's, uh, I guess it's not all bad. Like you said, I think those, there's people are probably talented and they've got dreams like anybody else. It just mm-hmm. seems like the wrong way to go about it. Yep. That's how I feel. It is. It's bad. And also it's just kind of, they're singing other people's songs too, which is um, songs that have already been done and that sort of thing. It's like, I understand a lot of people aren't songwriters that are just really great singers, but this whole like getting famous from singing like karaoke is, <laughs> doesn't make sense to yeah. me. Yeah, it just seems like ca- karaoke on a grand scale. That, yeah, that's essentially. exactly what it is. You know, or you know, or like you know, the, my favorite writers, people who you know, a lot of my favorite writers have really strange voices, and I like that about mm-hmm. them. Me too, you know, love I, it. Tom Waits, Tom Waits. my perfect example. Um, John Hyatt, Steve Earle. You know, people who are these like writers, even Lyle Lovett, but he's got a fantastic mm-hmm. voice. These are writers, writers, and the fact that they've got this kind of unorthodox voice to me is just icing on this cake. It just makes it even more unique. Yeah. I love you know? that too. Um, and the fact that so many people have covered their material um, just makes it, it just gives more credence to what they've done. Right. You know, but, but it's going back to that source and seeing how they did it is fascinating. Like there's a song on the raising sand record is that there's a Tom Waits song mm-hmm. on there. And you know, that was something I always learned. Like here's some, here's a question. Like, you grew up like kind of in the post CD era. Era, like, do you have a CD collection or do you just do. download stuff I or do. do you have vinyl even? Like, what's your thing? No vinyl. Um, I I did. I grew up with CDs. I grew okay. up with record stores and um, all of that. And it was just kind of about a few years ago where it's kind of uh, all that shut down. But um, but I do have a CD select, uh, collection. I really yeah. do. But um, not not a big one. Not a yeah. big enough one. Because I'm a, I'm a liner note junkie, and that's one thing I really miss with downloading stuff. Oh, yeah. I, first thing I did every time to this day, like I, I opened it up. Before I even knew what this stuff even meant, I didn't know what a producer did. Mm-hmm. And I would open it up and like, oh, who's this? And where was it recorded? And who are these other musicians? And that's when I started to put it together. Right. Like, oh, I recognize that name from this other album. Right. Reckon, and then it's, then it's like it takes you on this journey. I think it's it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people actually – People are getting into vinyls right now, actually. Yeah. So I feel like there's some people are wanting hard copies of things. Like people, a lot of people had said like, oh, you know, CDs and vinyls are all in the past. Everything is going to be computer from now on. But I really feel like people they want something to hold. They yeah. want their own. I get so many emails that are like, where can I get your hard copy of your CD? Yeah. So I think that there's actually a, a lot of people that that want that, and it might you know might come back. Who knows? Yeah. And vinyl, yeah, like you said, vinyl's very popular. And I, you know, as as a fringe benefit, we get a bigger we get bigger art with vinyl. Mm-hmm. Which I think is cool because I was I remember lamenting when we went from you know well first we went to cassettes it was like almost no art it was this tiny little thing that would yeah. melt on your dashboard on top of it all mm-hmm. and then CDs were a little bigger and shaped like an album so it was like the same art mm-hmm. same aspect ratio 
And then, so, you know, so we dealt with that. And that was cool. You know, they need to have Pearl Jam with this giant fold-out poster yeah. thing. So they somehow managed to cram into that thing. Uh-huh. And and now with vinyl, you know, now, because in vinyl, like some of those old vinyls, they would actually put a poster in there. Oh, yeah. That you could then pin up on your wall, this big giant thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm elated. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I've been buying vinyl. I mean, I'm not a total junkie. Um, but I'm happy to see it having a resurgence because it, mm-hmm. it's become more of like a premium thing, like a special thing. Right. The people who just want the music, they're going to download it and that's cool. Mm-hmm. But those, and I guess maybe that's the sad thing about like vinyl is that it's, it's, it's more, it's, it's a little more expensive oh, and yeah. people are tending to put bigger things. You know, the band Dawes at all, D A W E S. they're from out here. Fantastic band. Very, very near, excuse me, Neil Young harvest sounding oh, band, okay. really great band. Um, you should look them up. Mm-hmm. But they're, you know, now you see when a band releases a new album and they're kind of like younger or indie or even a bigger band like John Hyatt. I just saw him. He was mm-hmm. in town last week. They'll have like all these different packages. Like you can download it for like eight bucks or you can get right. the CD for 12 on the LP for 22, mm-hmm. the CD and the LP for 25, the LP with the poster for 30, right, the right, LP right. with the poster and the CD and a a coaster, or, yeah. you know, all this stuff. It's like they they get this big value added thing. It's like this multi tiered. It gets so complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Anyway, let's let's, let's get by. Let's get simple again, <laughs> okay. shall we? Music. Yeah. Play play something else. You have, you have something else ready, don't you? I do. Um, is this my my last song? I, I don't know. Time? Let's well, at least one. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'll I'll do. Um, I think I'll do a slow one. Okay. Great. This song is called Destructive. Awesome. In my pillows your voice remains As I try to sleep they whisper my name Like you did when you lay here before With your fingerprints still fresh on my door And the image of you with another girl is tearing my heart all apart when we were so destructive and we could never reconstruct this She's the first time I cried in weeks And the warmth feels like the first time you cried Teardrops show a softer side And memories make up my entire world And they take
Very nice, Nikki. I do like that quite a bit. Thank you. And you're you're reinforcing my face or my faith in uh, in like the future of music to Mm. hear young people playing songs (laughs) on guitars with like real feelings and real emotions. Well, thank so, you. So good. You're, you're, you're going places, kid. Well, thank you so and I much. And that was, that was your minor four, too. I caught your minor four. Oh, yeah? Four <laughs> you're uh, your C minor in G, although you're capoed up, so I guess you're in a, you're in a different uh, – you're not actually a in G. A different world, yeah. yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Thank so, you. Um, you'd like to talk just a little bit more, and we're running a little bit out of time. Oh, okay, a couple good. more things I'd like to talk about, maybe just kind of the business aspect of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. for being – for being your age, like you've got management and you've got like you must have a booking person. Like, how did you get mm-hmm. hooked up with all these people? And, you know, Bruce and Morgan from Knitting Factory, which is how how we know of you. Like, how did uh-huh. you get how did you find these people or how did um, they find you? It's it's kind of a complicated story, but um, it, it sort of happened by accident. Um, my my dad was trying to, to book some some thing at the Knitting Factory like way back in the day. Um, I'm not really sure of all the details. But um, anyway, so they had Morgan and my dad had met on some like, you know, random, random thing. And then, um, and then, like a couple, you know, a couple months later, my dad was sending my music to his friend Morgan, who wasn't Morgan Morgulis. It was just some random other Morgan I don't know of. Wait, there's more than one Morgan. There's, there's more than one. I know it's so strange. But my dad had accidentally clicked Morgan at the knitting factory and um, sent it to him and all the stuff. And Morgan wrote back like, "Wait, this is your daughter? How come you never told me that that you had this amazing talented daughter?" And he was like, "Oh, I just never like thought of it." And he was she like, "I need in my house. I hear it all yeah, the I time. Know. I can't get her to shut up." <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess and then Morgan was just like, "Wow, I gotta, you know, gotta hear." And then after that, he, you know, signed me, and um, I've been working with uh, them ever since. And uh, that was, I think, it was about sixteen when that happened. Um, way back in the way day. back in the day, three years ago. But <laughs> oh, but <man>. yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's how that happened. And um, and they like book my tours and all that stuff. Um, as of right now, as of right now, I don't have a label, um, but I'm searching for one. I I think I'm after this next. Uh, like EP that I'm recording, then maybe I'll go search for a label or something. Yeah. So what's your, you know, what do you think about, you know, giving away music is such a big deal now. Like mm-hmm. it's the way a lot of artists really get, um, the guy we have, a friend of mine, Nick Babetsky, the guy we had on here last week, he's like almost an evangelist for mm-hmm. artists giving away music. Uh, cause just, cause he says there's no, no bad can come of it. Artists mm-hmm. never really made a whole lot of money from their records anyway, unless you were Michael Jackson or Led Zeppelin. Right, right. Um, and there's only five of them. So, right. <laughs> uh, what, what, what's your stance? I mean, would you, do you think that it's, you know, where's the line, I guess? I, I'm totally fine giving away my music. I, I pretty much do it already. Like once I record a song, I'll send it out to all my friends and be like, go send it to your friends. Um, I don't know how like, you know, management feels about it or different people feel about it, but my ideal, my like ideal release of my next album would be just to give it out mm-hmm. because people are going to, 
just go listen to the whole album if you're giving it out instead of just you know like 30 seconds of one song on iTunes or something I would I would really love to um maybe at some point I'll you know want to make money <laughs> but right now it's like yeah. give it out to the world and make money from your shows and your merch and whatever else but yeah well that was going to be my next question is like as far as revenue goes I mean are you are you generating income with the stuff that you're doing? You know, and if, you know, enough to, are you self-financing like these recording projects? Like where, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need numbers, but like where's, where's, what's the revenue stream? Like where is, where's that money coming from? Um, well, generally I, I'm not usually making money because if I have to pay the band, I do all this stuff because I, different people, you know, charge whatever. Um, but if I, if I'll play a show like, solo or certain places that pay then I'll make money but generally right now I'm not making like a stable income um but I I've been I've been making money like I I have and my my tour that I did last last year I made a good amount of money so if I just keep booking tours then I can just make enough money to kind of live off of that for a little bit I know if you can get into the college touring circuit it's very lucrative Mm -hmm. I have a friend uh a guy that I used to know I guess I still know but I don't see him very much he he did college tours, you know, for years, for like 10 years. And he would go out for like six weeks a year. Mm-hmm. And that would, he would make enough money to live for the year yeah, that's by crazy. playing colleges. And it was a busy schedule. He'd like get a different college mm-hmm. every day, you know, and, and a lot and a lot of it's back East because the cities are a lot closer together. Right. So, you know, and it was, you know, he'd, he'd go, he'd fly into Chicago and then rent a car and keep the car for five weeks or, and then just zoom, 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 college, 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 sometimes two colleges in a day, mm-hmm. college, 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 college. I mean, and you know, because these, um, entertainment groups for the college, they've got a budget that they have to spend on artists. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe, maybe look into that. That's some, yeah, that's some bread, man. I, I, tr- I mean, I've never really tried, mm-hmm. but I, I, I mean, maybe that ship has sailed for me, but I, that would be a great gig. You know. Yeah, and I also have, I have a lot of friends in college, so that would be that would be great. That would be perfect. Yeah, and you so. get to see what the college life is like. Watch all the kids playing hacky sack and like yeah. <laughs> sleeping in and not doing anything, and you're out there chasing your dream for real. <laughs> um, so why don't you seem you seem like you're itching to play one more tune? So I'd like. Oh no, to, I was just wondering. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want me to do. Well, I'd like you to give me two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> That's no what problem. I would like you to do. But I mean, are you I mean if you can, you're certainly welcome to play another tune if you'd like to play another tune before okay. we before we roll out. Here. All right, sounds good. Um, this song is called Greek, and it's not sad actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. First time you kissed me, I pulled away. You said I. You feel the the same way And your lips were sweet They made my blood sugar rise As I looked into those Grecian eyes An army of Athens marched in your veins An ancient man your your skin remain the dark pretty picture that I began to see that all my feelings they were Greek to me and I knew I knew I knew that you loved me and I knew I knew I knew that my feelings they were Greek 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 
wish me you would descend from arrows and up on Mulholland we look down at the lights high up on the hill like Greek gods in the night and I knew, I knew, I knew that you loved me and I knew, I knew, I knew that my feelings they were Lang, Independence Day. Thank you, Nikki. That was yeah. really nice. And up-tempo, too. Yes. That's the hardest thing for me to write, is up-tempo songs. Really? Yeah. I can write slow, and I can write medium. And to me, medium is fast. So right. <laughs> getting into the, the upper tempo is, uh, is a challenge. I, what I need to do, I need to push myself to do that, too. Just set the metronome at a fast tempo mm-hmm. and just make myself do it. Right. So good job. And I, I, one thing I like... Um, you can't see her out there in Radio Land, but one thing she does, like not through the whole song, but there are certain lines you'll smile. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it changes the timbre of your voice, and it's cool. I think I don't know if you're doing it intentionally or Mm-mm. or not, but it's cool. It's it's a nice it's a nice thing. People like to see you. Uh, people like to see people having fun, right. enjoying what they're doing. <laughs> Just a couple more questions. Uh, things I was I want I want to learn about you before we roll out of here. We're almost done. We're almost out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever had a non-music job? Um, not yet. Yeah, not yet. No Starbucks or. No, just like babysitting. <laughs> yeah, that, that certainly qualifies. Yeah, a little bit, I guess. Um, and you, you're doing some shows coming mm-hmm. up soon. And what did my where did that go? I think it's over here. Tell me about these things you're doing. You've got a show at the Troubadour this Friday, just a couple days from now. Mm-hmm. Great place to play, and you're opening for Bob Schneider. Yes, I am. What an awesome gig! Yeah, it'll be. He's really such fun. a funny guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he is. Like, I'd, I'd be very. I'd like to be a fly on the wall. Oh, with, yeah. with him being around there, and that's so. That's a troubadour show. So I'm guessing you know doors are probably seven, mm, and you'll uh, doors are eight. Actually. Doors are eight, so yes. you'll probably play a nine or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. And have you played the troubadour before? I haven't. This is my first time. Great, great place. Yeah, great place. Love seeing a band there. I hate driving over there. It drives me crazy. Oh, yeah, parking is abysmal mm-hmm. in that part of town. I know. So, well, congratulations. It's a great show. Thanks. And then Saturday nights, we've got two nights in a row. This is the 13th. You're playing the Bramer Country Club in Tarzana, opening for. Cool in the gang. <laughs> <laughs> a little before your time, even mine too. Yeah. <laughs> so do you do you know their music? Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like everybody knows Celebration. It's like yeah. the most famous if party you've song. Ever been to a wedding? That song heard, we played, you know, or a bar mitzvah, or anything yeah, like that. Mitzvah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> every I think every wedding in history, it's, it's like it's it's maybe it's like in their contract they have to play 
yeah. celebration. And I think Love Shack now by uh-huh. Louis Vuitton has also kind of gotten onto that oh, list yeah. somehow. And that's fine. Um, it kills me that Fred Schneider thing. If you see a faded oh, yeah. car <laughs> at the side of the road. <laughs> Kills me, man. That was college music for me. And then you've got another show coming up in September, early September, just a couple weeks away. This is the Free to Be Festival taking place in the Los Angeles State Historic Park. And this is going to be in front of a bunch of people, right? Yeah, it's expected to be about 40,000. Only 40,000. Only 40,000. Yeah, if you're nervous for the radio show, (laughs) you think that you're probably going to. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's that's a a great gig. A lot of other big artists on that bill. And, and this is going to be a full band thing mm-hmm. at that show? Yeah. We'll and, and you have like a regular set of people that you kind of play with mm-hmm. or you just kind of cherry pick different people? For yeah, time? I usually have like a regular set of people. Do you record with those people too? Um, yeah. Uh, for the next EP, yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Kind of consolidating mm-hmm. makes it easier. Like it's nice to take the same players on stage you have in the studio because it, it makes it uh, – mm-hmm. No, it just carries over. Right. You know, there were the, the people who were on there, on the recording. And lastly, I want to know, like, what, what artist inspired you to make music? Like, what, what set you off on this journey, you know? Um, Was it stuff that, like, like, for me, my dad played music, my mm-hmm. mom played music, and it just got, it went right in there for me, you know? And so what, what was it for you? Like, was it something... You heard on TV, we talked about the guitar right. being inspired before, but like what set you, like what made you go the whole distance? I mean, you're 19 and doing it full time. Yeah, I, the thing is that I can't even like remember deciding to do it. I just remember always doing it and knowing that it was something that I just really, enjo- I just really enjoyed doing. So um, I can't think of like a specific person or, or event that made me want to do it. Um, I do remember my my first favorite band was the Spice Girls, but I'm pretty sure that that wasn't. What and I, you're admitting that in public. No I'm less. admitting Spice Girls, Britney Spears was like I loved that when I was a kid, but um, I don't think that's really what what set me off. I think I just love music, and that's why I like loved you know Spice Girls and like whatever was played. I like loved it. So I don't know. I I really can't answer that question. So. Yeah, but there's another artist that we were talking about before that you said is like your favorite record. Oh, my and favorite. You, yeah, and the thing that like totally. You know, got you all fired up. Yeah, it's Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette, also Canadian. Yes, they, they, we let her in with a guitar, I think. Yeah, we did. And you know, so what is it about that record? About Jagged Little Pill. Um, it's her. Ugh, God, it's I love it. It's perfect. Um, it it's so raw. It's so real. It's like it's like the woman's anthem, sort of. It's just so I don't know. I I just I love everything about it, and I love that. Her voice is her voice is just real. Like it, you know, on that album, there was, I think I remember reading that there was no auto. She didn't want auto tune. She just wanted everything like straight. You can hear it that the parts where she's like a little bit flat or her voice cracks yeah. something. She she just was like you know I just want raw me and yeah. she put it out there and it was it's like the one of the top selling records of all time. Yeah, and I know well auto tune was fairly nascent at the time. It may not even been much of right. a choice, but they just rather than overdubbing it and making it. Perfect, yeah, she just went all the way through. Yeah, it. and I know Glenn Ballard played such a huge role. Uh, he's the guy that produced and like, worked with her on mm-hmm. that record and helped her write all those songs. So, uh, you know, do, do you have, I mean, do you have someone like that that you like really work with or is it just kind of the, the, whatever producer you're working with for the record? Um, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of it switches around. Um, I don't like, I don't know. I don't really have a specific person, but I actually did work with, with Glenn for a did short, you? short, short period of time That's when cool. I was about 15, 16 or I think it was 16. Back in the day when you were Back 16. Back in the day, yeah. But I never did like a full album or anything. Just yeah. a song or two. Was he cool? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, but he, I think, yeah, he was the one who told me about that Alanis Morissette didn't want anything on her voice or and all that. But it's very unique that voice, and I, I That's didn't, what I, like. I didn't get it at all because really? the girl I was dating in college when that came out, like, was obsessed with that album. You would, you would have thought that no other album had ever existed or could ever exist. Right. <laughs> and I, I and for that reason, I mean, it wasn't really her. It was just this girl I was seeing wouldn't right. stop playing it. It was really annoying. And the song we're going to play for the end of the music interview here in just a second is, is the song that turned it around for me. Like it was on her second mm-hmm. record. It was, I think, I'm not sure if it was the first track or not, but it was the single, the first single off her second mm-hmm. record. That's when I figured out, oh, artistic growth. Oh, because it's cool. You know, it's it's cool to be angry and like visceral about those sorts of feelings. And Mm -hmm. she certainly tapped into like the zeitgeist of that. Yes. But like I I wanted more. I wanted to see if she could do more. Mm -hmm. And then I think she delivered like on that second record. Mm -hmm. And that's what and then I kind of went back and said, oh, okay, so that's cool. Now that now that I know that she's not a one trick pony. She's cool. Mm-hmm. So with that, we'll, we're going to go out with an Alanis Morissette song here in just a second. So Nikki, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Thank you for coming out. It was, an, it was an honor to have you here. Thank you for sharing your spirit and your music with us and our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and come back and see us You know, when your new EP comes out. Make sure we get a copy and we'll, we'll play some stuff. I'd love to have you come back. Yeah, definitely. Thank Br- you. Bring a band. It would be very nice. Great. Uh, so next week on Independence Day, we've got Jack Littman. Also a Knitting Factory artist, part of that family. And we're going to bring him in and talk about what it's like to be a musical melting pot. Thanks again to Nikki Lang, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski, and to Valentino Rivera and engineer Victor Cornejo from Lancer Radio. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Be good to one another.